Hi there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Teardrippers, the podcast where we rate movies on a teardrop scale. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm actor, writer, and very bitter Girl Scout reject, Maybelle Shimizu. And I'm local curmudgeon, Kimia. Today we're talking about grief and adventure, a strong grandfather figure, being murdered by your childhood hero, and harassing an old person for professional development. It's Pixar's Up from 2009. And then we'll be finishing with some tissue tunes before calling it a day. But before that, Kimia, have you ever seen Up before? Yes, once, years ago. What about you? Yes, I've also seen it once before, actually around the time that it came out. I think I saw it at a sleepover with a friend Mm -hmm. in high school. And I thought I was in for like a jolly good fun old time with a Pixar movie with my friends. And in the first like 15 minutes or so, I was sobbing in front of my friend and her family who was watching the movie with us. Mm -hmm. And I was like super embarrassed because I think I was the only one like really crying. Um, And I was just like, wow, I thought I was safe here. Oh my God, I can't believe you guys would do this to me. (laughs) And then like the rest of the movie was pretty fine. And it was just like, I just remember being like punched in the gut in the first quarter hour of this movie. And then I never watched it again until I decided that we should do it for the podcast. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, if it's any consolation, I was just reading the trivia about the movie, and apparently, like, the storyboarding uh-huh. made people cry. Yeah. Yeah. Of of that scene, mm-hmm. that the, like, married life montage. <sighs> so, <laughs> you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to know. Um, yeah. Are you crying right now? No. It's okay if you are, you're allowed. Thank you. But I'm not. I'm just thinking about the montage, but I want to save it for the discussion, so. Okay, well, why don't you tell our listeners about what happens in the movie? Sure thing. After losing his wife and his dreams of adventure, and being ordered to move into a retirement home, Carl Fredrickson ties thousands of balloons to his house and attempts to fly to South America, inadvertently taking along Russell, a neighborhood kid. Along the way to their destination at Paradise Falls, Carl and Russell pick up Doug, a rejected golden retriever, and Kevin, an elusive exotic bird that is the cause of many adventures. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Before we get into it, let's take our first ad break. This week's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Flying Houses. What's your favorite flying house? I mean, I think it's pretty easily the the house at the end of Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, so delightful. I, I love the whimsy of a flying house in a movie, you know? I love the concept of a flying house. It's so cute. Me too. I just love, I love the idea of getting to like fly around in the place that you live and adventure around. It's like the ultimate, you know, hippie fantasy off the grid in like a really cute way. Yeah, that you get the adventure and also the safe home Mm -hmm. comes with you. Yeah, like the cozy warmth of home. And also, like, all the adventure and 
I, I just cannot let go of the word whimsy. It's very whimsical. Yeah. And I know there are a few other movies that feature flying houses. It's like kind of a trope in some ways, but I really can't think of any other than Howl's Moving Castle and Up. Mm-hmm. But like now I just want like posters of like houses with wings or sails or just like artwork like that. Aww. Yeah. I like the sails. Sails. Yeah. Next time we play Broken Picture Phone, we're going <laughs> to bring this up. Oh, yes. We're going to make people draw flying houses. Oh, yes. Hopefully the most talented artists in our, our circle of gamers will get that prompt. And, and we'll get some nice flying art, flying house art. Okay, that about does it. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so when I started watching Up the other day, it was just like after a long day of many, many to-do tasks and, like, getting stuff done around the house. And also, I kind of had some upsetting news a couple weeks ago that I haven't, like, really gotten to emotionally release from my system. So I have to say it was, like, really nice to just at least have the emotional valve of, like, crying to turn even though like the stuff going on in my personal life um, wouldn't really be a cause for tears. Like it, I'm not upset about it in a way that makes me weepy. I've mostly just been like angry um, and like fuming for a couple weeks, but just like any kind of emotional release was honestly good. You know? Mm-hmm. Did you get that with up? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh good. I'm so delighted. I love the concept of an emotional valve. That's a really great way to, to say that because it's true. Oh, thank you. It just releases the pressure a little bit. I have had like kind of a, a busy week. Mm-hmm. It's like the busy season at work part one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been like trudging sort of <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hello, here I am at home again. Here I am at work again. Here I am at home again. Here I am at work again. Um, so I haven't been like addressing my emotional Mm. self lately she's sleeping she Mm -hmm. will wake up later um i was not like really emotionally open i guess when i started watching the movie i see i see did you feel like that carried throughout the film for you kind of yeah 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 i'm just like um in my in my circle Mm -hmm. it's a cycle i guess which is still a circle but whatever Mm -hmm. i'm in my cycle of like getting through the next few months. Yeah, just like bearing down <laughs> nose to the yeah. grindstone. Yeah, getting stuff done, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Kimia, did you want to talk about the character design in this movie? Of course I want to talk about the character design of this movie. The character design is impeccable. I know. I agree. I agree. It's like obvious, and I know there's sort of like lots of online discussion about how Ellie is a circle and Carl is a square. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their chairs and their <gasps> photos, I and love their just chairs. All, everything in their home is circular or square. And then when I was looking at the trivia, all of the villains are triangles. Fascinating. Yeah, like the guy, the developer guy in the suit, mm-hmm. he has like sort of a triangular face and mm-hmm. the, what's his name? The childhood hero man. Yeah, the childhood hero man who becomes the villain, the main villain later. He's kind of triangular. Even, like, the alpha dog is oh, very triangular. Oh, yeah, he's very pointed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Doug is not. Doug has like the most round nose that I've ever seen. Yeah, he's a, a cute round boy. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like um, when dogs get stung by bees. That's it. That's exactly what he looks like. He looks like he was stung by... Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't realize this before. Yeah. He's very round. Um, Do you have any thoughts about the character design? I adore it. I think it's really cute. I love the, like, chairs that match the shape of Ellie and Carl. And I, I don't know. I just find it fun and sweet and... It is a movie that, like, doesn't even come close to passing the Bechdel test, but, like, I didn't even notice it until right now. Yeah, it's it's not an unfeminist movie. No, it, it just, like, there there's one woman in it, and, like, I guess Kevin also, but that's a bird, so, like, <laughs> doesn't have any lines. Um, so, like, and that's okay, because, like, it's... yeah. Not a story about gender, you know? It is very much not. There's, like, no gender in this. As much as we need um, stories where there are, like, female characters who are Mm well-rounded, we also still need stories about boys and men being good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You're right. Like, this story does definitely set up some healthy male relationships that I think are definitely necessary in children's media too. We need those represented. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. The strong grandfather figure, you know, he's great. It's what it's all about. He's so grumpy. (laughs) I do love love grumpy Carl. Oh gosh. Okay. So I had kind of forgotten, but I thought that Ellie died sort of young. No. Like, I, I forgot that they grew old together. I thought she died earlier in her life. I know. I actually kind of thought the same thing, too. When I was re-watching it, I was like, oh, they actually had, like, a really long, healthy marriage. And, like, they had a beautiful life together, even though it yeah. wasn't what they expected it to be. And honestly, that was kind of more touching, than, yeah, like, the idea that, like, he loses his wife young and then just turns into the curmudgeonly old man over time on his own. Like, no, they they had a beautiful life together. And, fuck, okay, now I'm going to start crying. <laughs> it's okay, you can cry. I agree with you. It is more touching. I, I had the thought that, like, like, if she had died young, it would have been very hard for them to have ever made it to South America. Mm-hmm. But... They had their whole lives together, which is wonderful, but he probably feels like he failed the love of his life. No. And he shouldn't feel that way. I know, but he, he didn't. probably feels that way. I mean, that's like the whole reveal at the end, right? Yeah. Like, is that she didn't really need to go to South America at all. She was so happy with him. She was fulfilled. Oh my gosh. She didn't feel like her life was lacking. It's so beautiful. And that they had their own adventure together. And they did. Like, that's like... The married life montage shows their ups and downs, and it's adorable. It's so Someone beautiful. get Maybelle a tissue. <laughs> it's I so have beautiful. one. Yeah, okay. The, Can you pass it to me through the screen? Take it through the camera here. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. 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 Um, can I just say, the first 20 minutes of the movie, 
Um, that is the part that like punches you in the gut. It does all of the like setup, the stakes. It tells you this beautiful love story in like such a satisfying way. Like it could just be a short, you know, it could just be like a 15 minute. Like I, I guess what I'm saying is that it, in its own way could be considered like a complete story. Yeah. Um, the, the life that Carl and Ellie build together after having met as children. Um, however, I just want to say the first 20 minutes of this movie, I wrote an entire page of notes on. Oh my God. And okay. for context, the rest of the movie, I did not write an entire page of notes on. <laughs> so, um, Okay, I have at least 12 separate notes of like of moments that I am crying in addition to other notes about how beautiful the scenes are and all my thoughts about the beginning of the movie. So, as far as like tear jerking goes, like the first 20 minutes of the movie are like really where it's at and then like a little bit at the end. Yeah. Alrighty, so should I, like, just quick and dirty run through all the moments that made me cry in the first 20 minutes? Yes. Okay. So this is just the parts that I actually cried at. No other notes. When they introduced the adorable, nerdy, young Ellie, I started tearing up just watching this child. But I wasn't sure at first. I thought it might have just been, like, my contacts or something. But in, like, within... Five minutes of the movie starting, I was fully crying just listening to the musical theme of Up, which I want to talk about later. Mm -hmm. And then um, when they come up the hill in the montage of their marriage after the wedding, I started crying. And then it's pretty much just like a straight up tear fest from that moment on. Um, like watching them have to constantly dip into their savings for life emergencies kind of like awakened a little class consciousness in me. I mean, it wasn't awakened <laughs> yeah. like I already knew that, but yeah. I, I could not felt help but feel that strong like, geez, if only they didn't have to use all of their savings for every little emergency that pops up. Yeah. And then when Ellie is in the hospital bed after like she, oh, wait. Oh, I didn't specify, but when they show that Ellie can't have children at the fertility clinic, which they do without mm -hmm. any words, that made me cry. Mm -hmm. uh, when they show Ellie in the hospital bed after she trips on the way up the hill again in later in the montage. And then I just kept crying throughout that the funeral, him being all alone with those balloons. Why was nobody else at her funeral? Maybe it was like at the end of the funeral, but it made it look like it, Carl yeah, was the only person be. there. Yeah. And then um when he show when they show Carl wiping the window where like she would be in the other side of the window, and like you can noticeably tell that she's absent from the frame. And then when he like adjusts the little bottle cap pin for the wilderness explorers thing that like they were pretending to be a part of, I started crying again. And then how he like talks to her in his mind as if like she is the house which is a little confusing at times and then he like puts his hand on her handprint on the mailbox and then mm -hmm. again when like russell comes in and then he does the wilderness explorer finger w that made me cry and then i started tearing up again when carl got upset about the mailbox being pushed over and then he started oh, yeah. hitting the construction worker um and then when Carl finds the adventure book after he doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets sentenced to 
being sent to a retirement facility and he goes like Ellie what do I do now and then he finds the adventure book that they made together and then the main theme plays again and that's those are all the times that I cried. I actually truncated because I didn't write every single thing down because I was writing as fast as I could. <laughs> it really is like just hit after hit after hit. Oh, it's so good. I might just like put it on, just like watch the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie and then like turn it off when the main plot starts. As a quickie. Yeah, just like a nice quick... Just a little, like, cry fest, get it all out, release some emotions. Um, I do have to say, after I finished watching this movie, I was ready to go to bed. <laughs> I was like, I cried a lot. I need to go to sleep now. <laughs> Did you know adults are just grown babies? <laughs> Turns out, we're just toddlers, but we have to take care of ourselves. We're just simply larger and a little more developed. But not all that different. <laughs> No, not at all. No? Uh, okay, so what about the end of the movie? Um, Did you cry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I started tearing up around the middle of the movie, actually, when they're doing this campfire in the journey to Paradise Falls, and Russell is talking about his dad and, mm-hmm. try, and like being honest but not really knowing how to express what his feelings are, and Carl, like, slowly catching on about the situation. Um, Yeah, like, why it's such a big deal that Russell needs to help an old person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because his father neglects him. And promised he would go to the ceremony when he got his badge, and then he didn't. I know! What a piece of shit. But it's okay, because Carl is there. And Carl picks up the slack. Yeah. And it's kind of like he has an experience raising a kid after all. I know. I didn't think about that. You didn't think about that? Why would you say that? (laughs) I'm crying again. (laughs) I just... I did not put that together. You did it? Oh my god, yes. I could not help but put it together. Like... (laughs) Russell, very clearly, like, is a literal human child. Yeah. And, like, Carl steps up as, like, this father figure for him. But then there's also, like, all the stuff with the dogs. And, like, the dogs kind of being, like, um, I think the villain, it was Charles Muntz. And he has, Mm -hmm. like, all those dogs that he trains. They're, like, kind of like children, but also kind of like employees. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. But, um. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... It's beautiful. And and so I started tearing up because I knew that that thing happens at the end with the ceremony. And then like really towards the end, when they show Carl looking at the adventure book and he flips to the portion of the book that he thought was going to be blank. And it's filled with pictures from Ellie of their life together and Mm -hmm. her note. (laughs) Her note saying, thanks for the adventure. Now go have a new one. Like, oh my gosh, I can't read it. Like, it was so hard for me to be able to read that. Like, it's so beautiful. It's really sweet. Oh, and then 
At the very end, then Carl gives Russell the little grape soda badge. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just really beautiful. It is. I just love found family, okay? <laughs> I know you do, as you should. Um, but, um, <sighs> yeah. 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 Um, I I briefly want to talk about the music and how they use orchestration and instrumentation to take the same musical idea and produce many different feelings and like basically like a soundscape with the same melody. Yes, tell us about it. I, I want to hear because I, I mean, am not I good at this stuff. I don't know how to specify a breakdown. I bet you there is an excellent video essay out there. And if there is, I will find it and link it in the show notes. Um, I don't know all the like vocab and like how to say exactly what tools they use at what points of the movie. But uh, watching the movie and like, really trying to pay attention to the sounds and like when it would employ the theme of the movie, that like really nice little piano melody that they play at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It, It was excellent. Like they do such a good job of using that to just tug on your heartstrings, but then like excite you when like the stakes are like thriller levels, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just really, I really like what they did with the music in it. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I realized about two thirds of the way through the movie that I was very stressed out because a lot of the high stakes in the movie are like dealing with really great heights and like mm-hmm. falling off of the flying house or like the blimp thing. And like, I cannot deal even though I know that all the characters will survive, all the protagonists at least will survive, like, it was really hard for me to watch at some points, like, this, the risk of them, like, falling off of something and plummeting to their deaths. The peril is very strong. It was not... Yeah. It it was kind of hard to watch. Like, I sometimes, like, now as an adult, I watch children's movies and I'm like, how is this a children's movie? It's they so could stressful. die at any second. Yeah. And I think it's because children don't really dwell on that. That's true. Well, children are slightly <laughs> less aware of their own mortality. And it's probably for the best. It is. But, like, this old man was so frail minutes ago. And now he's bounding around the house, saving his possessions from I know. falling. Like, let the picture fall. The picture will be okay. The glass will break. The picture will be okay. Yeah. Like, you're going to break your hip. He fell so many times, and he I didn't know. break a single hip. He was, like, the strongest old man I've ever seen. Yeah, he's spry. Like, he's that might be Jean Valjean. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. I hope not, because, uh, what's his name is coming for him. <laughs> Javert. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, clearly, Kevin is Jean Valjean. And Javert is months. Come on. <laughs> he even falls to his death. Like. Um, I guess. <laughs> we make great cinematic parallels here at Tear Jerkers. Just the it's finest of film critiques. <laughs> All you need is a chase and a plummet. And that's. Yeah, that's, that's it. For a, a metaphor there. Yeah. 
Um, I had a couple pull quotes that I really liked. Um, one at the beginning was something, I, I don't know why this spoke to me at the moment, but it's, I definitely quoted the, is there nothing he cannot do? Which is a quote from the very beginning where they show little baby Carl watching this moving picture of his hero, Charles Muntz, um, who's like flying his blimp around the world. Mm -hmm. And like when they show little baby Carl doing the thumbs up of adventure is out there, it, I like fully gasped from the cuteness. Aww. It was, it's so cute. Oh my gosh. Also, how do they make that like eight, I don't know, like six year old child also look like an 80 year old man? Like he, he's very square. <laughs> he is. He is a square, square child. <laughs> yeah yeah and then the other one is i think that the boring stuff is the stuff that i remember the most yeah that's so true yeah that that's the quote that russell says when he's talking about missing spending time with his dad and the silly games that they played that like weren't particularly meaningful in and of themselves but looking back it's what he cherished. Yeah, that's where the relationship is really built. Not mm -hmm. with the trips to Disneyland, but yeah. with everyday moments. Yeah, it's not about like the grand gestures. It's the day-to-day -day kindness and attention. Yeah. And children need that. They need a lot of that. And we are children. Just large ones. Yeah, like large ones who have to like emotionally self-regulate and stuff. But I'm just saying, if children need that type of love and attention, then adults need it too. Yeah, kids need like stability and love from their parents way more than they need um, excitement. Yes, for sure. Like a boring but emotionally stable parent is like way healthier yeah. exciting and emotionally unstable like usually that's considered not a safe environment for children yeah 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 boring is good actually boring is so good you especially guys. for ch like childhood it just makes for bad movies yeah it doesn't but, make yeah it was up is like stressful they're in danger almost constantly i know oh and god it, it got so hard to suspend disbelief and i had to keep telling myself this is a story about a flying house. Mm -hmm. This is a story about a flying house. The house is flying because that's the story. Someone wanted to tell a story about a flying house, and here we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, mm -hmm. fine. I'm mm -hmm. watching a story about a flying house. Exactly. And uh... this is like a story with about a flying house, but like people can't fly. And I think that's the like... <laughs> The stressful jump, right? Because, like, in things like Howl's Moving Castle, Howl can fly. And he mm -hmm. can help other people fly. So, like, yeah. the fact that they're thousands of feet up in the air... It's fine. ...is not a big deal because yeah. they're not at mortal peril if they fall off the edge of the balcony. But... Yeah, magic exists and yeah. everything... It's, like, so fantastical. Everything is going to be okay. Yeah, but this is, like, adjacent... Like, it is whimsical and magical, but, like... There is not actually magic occurring. It is supposedly physics. Yeah. And that's what makes the fear of falling, like, so much stronger. <laughs> it's so scary. They're constantly dangling out mm -hmm. and 
mm-hmm. being almost dead. Oh my gosh, that moment when Carl imagines trying to lower uh, Russell <laughs> down onto a building and then he drops him and then they show that it's an imagining and not actually what happened. Like, that stressed me out so much. Yeah, I was like, what the, f- how, how are we coming back from this? What happens? Oh, oh, everything is fine. Okay. Yeah, it's just in his head. It's just, it's, okay, fine. Um... I'm too stupid to watch this movie. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I've I've lost too much of my childhood imagination. I'm so sorry. Um, I really liked the like beauty, and once again, I'll use the word whimsy of the light shining through the balloons to create oh, it's this beautiful. like. Yeah, I want to live in that moment. Like the part it's where so the house takes off for the first time and you can see it through the city. Like that's honestly kind of the most beautiful part of the movie. At least like visually, like not emotionally, yeah. but visually the most beautiful part of the movie. Yeah, I agree with you. We need some stained glass in our lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. We do. Really badly. Also... Just, like, completely unrelated, but turning mm-hmm. off your hearing aid so that you don't have to deal with people's drama. What a move. That's Incredible. what you get old for. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, That's people, what's waiting. People who are deaf or hard of hearing, like, their whole lives, like, they get to do that. Yeah. That, that is, like, a slight privilege. <laughs> they just get to say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Turn off. No, thank you. Turn off your ability to hear. That's like what I do sometimes with my glasses. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing stuff today. So I just take (laughs) off my glasses and I'm done seeing stuff. I don't have to deal with things I can't see. That's incredible. Uh, (sighs) All of my senses are intact. Oh, poor you. You're just out here just taking in reality. Ugh. Yeah, unadultered. It, it has its pros and its cons. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what were the most emotionally hard-hitting parts of the movie to you? Oh, the the married life montage, of course. Especially when I realized that after Ellie died, he probably, like, he felt like he failed her. He didn't fulfill his promise. That... He crossed his heart so many times, even though he was a child and under duress, but Mm -hmm. he still meant it. Mm -hmm. That was emotional. And then at the end with her note in the adventure book. Yeah. I think it was really interesting how he, after her death, would treat the house as if that was her. Yeah. And the house does actually eventually land at Paradise Falls. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it not only lands there once, it lands there twice. So he kept both of his heart crosses, you know? Like, kind in of. a way, like he she did... didn't get to go, but... He but yeah, did he take did Ellie make there. the picture come true, yeah. Yes, but only because he started calling the house Ellie after she died. Yeah, and it makes sense, because they worked... They, like, basically built the house together. It was mm-hmm. condemned... It was in yeah. very poor condition, and then they renovated it and made it their own, and they decorated it, and it was very, very much filled with them as a couple. Yeah. And then, 
Yeah. That's the house where they, like, found each other as kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, it was with them their whole lives. I know. And and he uses the same, like, steering mechanism that she designed as a child, which makes no sense. I didn't notice that. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's what I noticed. That's adorable. Okay, when will I meet somebody who will make my childhood mud potions be real? <laughs> That's what I want. I don't know. I mean... I need that person to walk into my life and be like, hey, I actually uh, can do witchcraft. So Real witchcraft. Yeah, okay, because I was thinking like chemistry, and I was like, well, your brother's a chemist, so he's the closest thing you guys, you're going to probably find. But if you're talking witchcraft, then I think that you'll have to go to... I don't know, like the neighborhood or something. One, I think my last thing I wanted to talk about before we start giving ratings, if you're ready. Yeah, I think I have one more, but yeah. Okay. One thing I also wanted to touch on was something I noticed about how Carl is very quiet for most of his life with Ellie and how the most difficult parts of Carl's life are done with wordless visual markings. And it's very heavily reliant on visual storytelling, like the montage at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but also like showing her in the fertility clinic and showing her tripping up the hill and then in the hospital bed and then the funeral. And then later when Carl gets sent to court and is sentenced to an retirement facility, Mm -hmm. like those are all like probably the most emotionally difficult parts of Carl's life. And they're all done in silence. Like at least like there's no verbal dialogue in those portions. Mm -hmm. They're all done like visually And I don't know, a part of me, I I just noticed that I was thinking about how people have been known to have like, you know, the flight, flight, fight, or freeze responses. Mm -hmm. And like some people have an anxiety response that causes them to be nonverbal when things are emotionally difficult. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it like really holds up throughout the movie, but it was something I noticed and I wanted to talk about a little bit. I don't know. Do you think that Carl was nonverbal or just quiet? I think that was more of a storytelling mechanism than a depiction of reality. Mm -hmm. Because when I was reading the trivia, they mentioned that when they're children, Ellie does all the talking and... The only time Carl ever speaks is when he says, wow. But mm-hmm. he, he never, he doesn't say anything. And then mm-hmm. that's the only time Ellie speaks. The rest of the movie, when they're adults and onward, only Carl speaks. Interesting. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think that's a storytelling mechanism because that would not be realistic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, they show them talking when they're looking at the clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just can't hear what they're saying. Yeah. That's true. That's true. What was your last thing? Oh, my last thing. Um, we need to address for the dog people in the audience. Yes. When um, Carl accepts Doug as his dog. <gasps> that was beautiful. That was really cute. Oh, gosh. It was his favorite. It was the best day of his life. Yeah. Did you watch the short afterwards? 
No. So on Disney Plus, um, immediately after the Up movie, they will give you the option to watch a short. What is the short? Doug's special mission, which shows okay. Doug's day up until he runs into Carl and Russell, and it turns oh, out no. that that day is his birthday. And he has a wish to find a new master because his current master is awful to him. Okay, so I will definitely watch the short. Probably not tonight because I want to go to bed, but I will watch it. Alrighty, well, I'm ready for ratings and reviews, if you are. I'm ready. Okay, Um, do you want to run through the rating scale, though? I will do that. One teardrop, bone dry. Two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't. Three teardrops, it got me a little, or it made me tear up. Four teardrops, I cried. And five teardrops is full sobbing. Yeah. Mabel, how do you rate up? I'm giving it a full five. Like, I sobbed. In the first 20 minutes, it had me sobbing, sobbing. So, it's going to be a five from me, dog. (laughs) Okay, Randy Jackson (laughs) from American Idol. Thank you for taking me back to, like... 2003? You're welcome. Depends on the years you were watching. I wasn't watching until about 2005. Okay. How about you? What what are you going to rate up? Um, It's a two or a three. Yeah? I I didn't cry. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really emotionally open. Yeah, you did say that you were feeling kind of closed off at the time. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. it, it could definitely make a person cry. This is a tearjerker. Yeah. I mean, I cried like three times just recording <laughs> this episode. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, I don't know. It's okay. I know what's wrong with me. <laughs> okay. But before we get to the closing segment, I think that we need to take a quick break. This episode of Tearjerkers is brought to you by adapting a childhood reward system for adulthood. Just like those little scout badges. Like, mm-hmm. I want, like, a gamified reward system for learning how to, like, pick up new skills and, you know, do functioning adult things that we weren't taught how to do in school. Mm-hmm. In the, in the ways in which the American school system is severely lacking to prepare its young adults for adulthood. Like, mm-hmm. like we need some way for that to, to gamify people <laughs> learning how to, like, check the oil in their car. Yeah, like we've removed home ec from school, which is dumb. So now we have to make our own reward system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've thought about buying myself a sticker chart. Yeah? Like... One of my English teachers in high school, like junior year of high school, had a sticker chart that when we did certain things, we would get stickers and then they would be worth extra credit. And we loved it. Like we got to go pick out our sticker and like there were cute little stars and little bunnies and little ice cream cones. And it was really cute. And I wonder if I could adapt that. Like you're never too old. You're never too old. Also, like junior year is perfect because that is right around the time that teenagers start to reminisce about early childhood. Yeah. And like... It's beyond the bell curve period of, like, middle school where childish things are cringy and, like, you can enjoy something like a sticker chart at 16 years old and still be like, I'm a kid still and I'm also growing up and I love stickers. Um, Yeah, it was perfect timing. Everyone in the class loved it. 
I loved it. It was great. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of that, this like Reddit thread I saw a while ago of this uh, dungeon master for a D&D session mm-hmm. or D&D game. Um, she says she's a kindergarten teacher and her campaign was full of these uh, players who were kind of like the worst stereotypes of nerdy adult men. Mm-hmm. And she started to like slowly train them to adjust their behavior to be more socially acceptable because she would like give them stickers for showering before the sessions or like bringing snacks to share with the group or saying thank you to their dm at the end of the session she would like kind of dole out these little silly rewards and it worked on them that's so good i know it's amazing honestly sometimes we just need a, a more physical direct manifestation mm-hmm. or like of we, our we need like a yeah yeah or or like we need things to be rewarded so that we can recognize that they're important exactly and like it's nice to be able to point at something even just on a page and be like that is a concrete reward for a specific thing i accomplished mm-hmm. you know rather than just like I mean, of course, you can just feel good in the moment for having done something that was necessary or um, rewarding. Like, it can feel nice to look back and be like, oh, these are all the stickers from, like, all the times I practiced whatever I need to practice. hmm Yeah. Okay, I just remembered. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about this when we were talking about this earlier, but I just remembered that my specific brain, because I have ADD, does not give me reward chemicals for doing things. Yeah. And it's okay if I do my own reward. Yeah. To force the brain chemicals. Exactly. And, like eat a candy and like I because I don't feel good when I get to work on time. Yeah. I'm just late all the time because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel any different. There's no reward for performing that task. No, there's no reward for like anything maybe you need just break. like a little sticker chart that you keep in your drawer at your desk at i work, do and you get I'm to put a sticker stickers. on it anytime you get to work on time i'm gonna buy stickers with my company credit card oh my god yes i can't i didn't even know you had a company credit card but amazing um yeah i actually <sighs> i do a version of this for myself i've been using habit charts for a few years now so in my bullet mm-hmm. journal i will like draw out like a grid for it with like every day of the month for each habit that i want to keep and then at mm-hmm. the end of the day if i accomplished that habit i color it in with a certain color and Cute. at the end of the month i can like look it over and be like these are all the times that i accomplished that thing Nice. And it's like, it's not as like necessarily fun as a sticker book, but I still really enjoy it. And it's just like mm-hmm. little tiny, tiny squares and circles of color that I like. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah, good. I think it, I think it's very valuable, like a little chart system or sticker or badge system to like reward us for, for things. The big yeah, and gamification small. is good. Yes. Yeah. Gamification. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's, like, two more things that I just want to mention real quick. One of them is Habitica, which is, yes. like, it turns your 
tasks into like a little RPG where you get points and like power-ups and stuff that I used in college that worked really well for me for a little while. And then the other one that I haven't used is Super Better. I've also heard of that, but I haven't tried that one. I tried Habitica in college as well. Yeah, Super Better was designed by a game designer. I think she had like a traumatic brain injury or a stroke or something like that. And um, she was having a really hard time recovering. Mm -hmm. And so she gamified it and she like made power ups Mm -hmm. like eating some almonds or going for a walk that made her recovery way way faster than it should have been yeah and she's like since written a book and i think i've definitely heard about that i remember actually hearing about it in a lecture in college one of my professors talked about it i mean that's what happens when you study theater um (laughs) you just learn everything yeah so super better is good if you're recovering from a brain injury but also like depression Mm -hmm. it's also been proven to work for depression yeah gamifying like the little things you have to do to keep your brain healthy like eating enough protein and healthy fats and like mm-hmm. exercising Omega-3s. yeah and like yeah. moving your body and getting your heart rate up even though you don't want to i'm really bad at that one yeah um i know that you've said before that like the zookeeper analogy has worked for you really well before do you want to talk about that a little bit i love the zookeeper analogy and i love it because it's not only about like taking care of yourself with food and exercise but also um enriching your life Mm -hmm. and that you can't can't live a fulfilling life just getting through every day which you also need to do and there are periods of time where all you can do is get through every day but that you also need to deliberately make choices to enrich your life like taking a class as an adult or going somewhere new or trying something that you think you're going to be bad at but you think will be fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you should do those things yeah because you don't have a zookeeper who will put a pumpkin in your enclosure exactly for people who are listening and have no idea what we're talking about, there's like a semi-popular post on a social media website uh, going around that is talking about how being an adult and taking care of yourself is a lot like being both an animal in a zoo and that animal zookeeper at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's really true. You gotta, you gotta water yourself. You gotta walk yourself. <laughs> Even if you don't want to. Even. I do not want to get in the carrier. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to get in the carrier, but you have to get in the carrier. I, yes, I do need to go to the doctor. So. Yeah, exactly. Here I go. It's yeah. the dentist. I hate the dentist. Oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we should. We should get back to the show. Today we're going to be closing the show with some tissue tunes. That's going to be our segment on what songs are making us cry right now. Kimia, what did you bring to share for tissue tunes today? <laughs> no? Okay. You don't like that one? Uh, no, no, again. that's really good. Okay. No, that's good. Um, so I kind of forgotten about this song a little bit. And I don't remember if I've actually cried to it. I think I, I probably have, but it's so similar to the up story. It's called Walters by Pinback. And it's the real life story of a man named Larry Walters, who as a child wanted to fly. And as an adult, he like fraudulently, 
fraudulently acquired some helium weather balloons and tied them to a lawn chair. And he, he floated up into the sky, and I think he, like, flew into some airspace he wasn't supposed to fly into. And so he, like, had a shotgun. He shot himself down eventually, and he was arrested. And um, it it was, like, the peak of his life. Like, he had uh-huh. all these interviews and things, and then after that, he didn't have anything else he wanted to do. And he disappeared into the woods and was never seen again. Wow. And... Yeah, and, like, a lot of people have said that in Up, the house of the balloons is, like, a death metaphor. And honestly, I really think that is, like, that's a death mission. He's not going to survive this journey. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he does is because it's a children's movie made by Pixar. Yeah. But um, tying a bunch of balloons to your house and floating to South America would kill you. <laughs> and yeah. you would not survive it. Um, yeah. I mean, he so, and Russell should have died in the initial storm that they hit. So many. So many times they should have died. And they did not. So I I see a lot of parallels between these two stories. And so then Pinback wrote a song about this guy. And it has like a very strong um, rising musical theme. And mm-hmm. then a very strong climax. Mm-hmm. Which is very similar to Lawn Chair Larry's life. Wow. It's a really great story, mm-hmm. and it probably it probably has made me cry at some time in my life. So that is my tissue tune. Can you say the name and the artist again? <laughs> yes. It's Walters by Pinback. Cool. What is your tissue tune? My today, tissue Mabel? tune, um, I had to do a little bit of digging because I haven't been listening to a lot of music recently. Um, but... I have recently been having to practice a lot of mindfulness and, um, and usually I'm in pretty decent practice with my mindfulness, um, tools and using those tools to keep me balanced. But sometimes when things get really overwhelming, um, there is a song from a popular children's cartoon who would have guessed that that is my preferred form of media. Um, (laughs) The cartoon is called Steven Universe, which I'm sure comes to nobody's surprise that I love Steven Universe. Um, And the song is Here Comes a Thought. And it is like, it truly brought me such relief to hear the first time it came out, which was probably back in like 2015. Um, And it really provides like a nice script for dealing with distressing thoughts and realizing that they are not who you are and that you can release yourself from those thoughts and let them go away and just recognize a distance between yourself and your thoughts um and to ground yourself in i believe the lyrics are flexibility love and trust Mm -hmm. um And that song has helped me through so many difficult moments when I am like freaking out. Sometimes when I'm like very, very close to having an anxiety spiral or something, I will just like sing that song to myself. And I also think that singing is a pretty good coping mechanism too, because it forces you to control your breath Mm -hmm. in a way that does not facilitate crying. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so my tissue tune today is going to be Here Comes a Thought from Steven Universe. I will have to listen to that. I have not watched all of Steven Universe, and I don't think I've gotten to that 
song yet. It is a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I will have to listen to that because that's very intriguing. It's very good. I love Steven Universe. I could do a whole season on Steven Universe. I've read some interesting things about it and I want to read, like someone has written a thesis about Steven Universe and I would like to read it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are multiple academic papers, actually. It's like, like Rebecca Sugar, like, used real psychological concepts when she was, like, building the characters. Like, there's yes a lot of, like, legitimate psychology happening. Yeah. Yep. Um, Especially in the last season. I gotta finish the show. Yeah. Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you like Up? Were you punched in the gut by the first 20 minutes of it? Tell us how it made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod and join the conversation about this episode with other listeners on Facebook at tearjerkers community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. If you have the time, please give us a five-star review on whatever you use to listen to us so we can reach more ears. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode. And as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell someone you know who loves whimsical balloon rides about this podcast. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Maybell Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranjburon. Thank you to Oliver for our show art. If you're interested in contacting him about purchasing any art, you can do so by emailing beastcoastarts at gmail.com. And another thank you to the wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast, Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Lincoln, please. Thanks for listening. Go pester an old person into becoming a grandparent. <laughs>